0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of An Evolved Review. Don't call it a comeback. (laughs) Uh, I am your host, James Caleb Kitchens, and as you'll notice, uh, it's just our beautiful voices today. I am joined once again by the man himself. It has been way, way too long. Caleb Stovall, welcome back to the program, sir.
1: Yeah, man, it has been. It's been way too long, man. How you been?
0: (laughs) Oh, man, I, I, I have been insanely busy between... Uh, working the shoot job, um, <laughs> you know, uh, still um, running the production team uh, at Viral Pro, and and you know they uh, they pretty much run themselves. I'm just there to to supervise because um, yeah. they're all very good. Um, and then uh, yeah, so working, writing because uh, I am writing a book. I am also. Uh, I did hear about that. Yeah, so that's that's happening. Uh, that's going. Uh according to plan I I'm planning to have a rough draft completed by the end of this year and and I'm on track to make that happen.
1: Oh well that's awesome man, awesome.
0: So uh there's that and then um you know just uh everything else in the universe. So uh but but <laughs> here we are
1: these days.
0: That's right. We're back. Um I put out an episode um earlier this week. Uh, which was just... I
1: heard It was with someone I never thought would actually appear on this program.
0: <laughs> you know, we absolutely broke the internet with that. <laughs> um, the reaction on social media wasn't as crazy as I thought it was going to be. So I was like, well, maybe no one cares about this, <clears throat> but the listens have been really, really high. Um, I think a lot of people were absolutely shocked by that. And that's what I wanted. Um, uh, it, it was not something that anybody thought they were going to see. Yeah. So I, I had people messaging me being like, well, congratulations on coming back with a bang because nobody thought that that was going to happen. So <laughs>
1: um, I was just like, what? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't, we didn't tell anyone. Um, it, Only Tim and I knew that it was going to happen. We didn't tell a single soul um, that we were going to do it. And then, um, you know, while we were recording it, I messaged uh, Joe Brown, friend of the show,
1: yep.
0: and uh, and I said, "Man, you are not going to believe the episode I'm about to drop." And uh, he was like, "Okay, I, I can't wait." And then I, I I linked sent him the link, and he was like, "I mean, just his reaction was hilarious." Uh, you know, he was just like, "Well, I'm definitely you know interested now." Um, but I had a really good time sitting down and talking to Tim, and uh, mm-hmm. looking forward to probably doing it again. Yeah. So.
1: Absolutely. That, that, that's. I mean, again, that, that that's incredible that you were able to get him on here. And plus, you know, he's just, he's so knowledgeable, you know, about the wrestling business. He knows a lot. You know, he's done a lot and so have you. So it's, it's you know, two great wrestling minds getting together.
0: And the funny thing is, I think we only talked about wrestling for like maybe the last 10 minutes. Right? I know.
1: <laughs> I noticed that about the whole uh, episode. I was like, not much wrestling talk.
0: And that was another thing too. It was like you know we kind of were working people. It was like everybody's sitting there like, oh, they're gonna talk about wrestling, you know. And and of course, (laughs) me being on there, you know, it's like oh, he's gonna talk shit about somebody. And then you know, no, unfortunately, like Tony Deppen didn't come up, and you know, we didn't.
1: (laughs) Oh my um, lord! Well, (laughs) I can tell some things don't change.
0: Yeah, man that that whole bit is still uh, hilarious to me. So <laughs> I, I'm still convinced that one of these days, somehow, some way, he's going to end up listening to that. <laughs> he is. And then I'm going to run into him at a show somewhere, and he's going to be like, "Fuck you say about me on the internet."
1: In <laughs> no offense, but he probably will kill you.
0: Eh, I don't think so. He kind of looks like a waiter. It'll be okay. <laughs> uh. Uh, it'll, it'll be all right. Uh, so, uh, man, what have you been up to in these months since we have been here? I think the last episode we did was about uh, Forbidden Door, which is kind of like the low point of pro wrestling to me over the last year, a uh, couple of years.
1: Well, uh, I mean, that, that, that's interesting that you say that because um, I saw your uh, – I saw or, – or I saw – i heard uh the rough cut episode which i guess was kind of the uh relaunch of uh of an evolve reviewer or, or whatnot i don't know if that's exactly what you're calling it but i heard the rough cut episode and you know you were talking about this and you know we used to have uh this nickname for me right uh i was the man who consumes more wrestling content than anyone
0: Yep. Uh, hey. We actually brought that up on the, uh, on the Tim Blackman episode. He was, he started talking about WCW 2000 and I said, we're going to have to get Stovall on here if you want to talk about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I have not finished that episode, uh, cause I've had a lot going on, but, um, so I, I, I need to, I need to hear that whole episode again, but, um, yeah like i, I don't know I, I i heard uh you talk about that and and uh that uh that used to be my nickname and everything well i used to take pride in that and uh i don't know um i guess life happens and i, I don't know if uh interests weigh or or whatnot but um it just it, it, it it's been an interesting time in my life let's put it that way wrestling has not really been a focus of mine um and it's mostly because and it's interesting that you said this because actually kind of uh when i watched forbidden door i was kind of like man uh i really don't like modern wrestling right now like i just don't like anything about it i don't like uh mlw i don't really like a lot of aew i like some things um i had a good time when i saw them live uh but even then i had some criticisms about it uh but that's one of the things uh that's uh always bothered me about a lot of podcasts uh wrestling podcasts and stuff like that is there's a lot of negativity about wrestling and I'm like, I don't understand. Like, do we like wrestling or do we hate wrestling? Like, it it, it gets confusing at times. And I don't like watching uh, something and, you know, trying to figure out is what I'm watching good? Like, is it just good to me? Do I not know anything anymore? Like, I don't know. And there was just all this negativity surrounding uh, everything. And, and just people were just being so negative about stuff. And I just kind of like tuned it off for a little bit um i still listen to wrestling podcasts such as my world that's obviously my favorite podcast right now i listen to all the conrad thompson ones pretty much and i watch old wrestling uh as well at times but i really just i'm not that big a fan right now of the modern product and I think there was an AEW pay-per-view that we were going to cover, but we never did. And I was kind of glad that we didn't because I was going to be like, dude, uh, you might have to do this episode solo because I didn't watch it.
0: (laughs) I think it was Forbidden Door, wasn't it?
1: Because
0: we did did the preview episode, but then we never never actually reviewed the the event. That's right. And Uh, if we had, I would have had almost nothing good to say about it so
1: well that's funny then because i I was going to like message you and say like dude you're gonna be doing this one alone because i didn't watch it i had no interest in like i had yeah i just i had no interest in watching it i had no interest in spending 54 dollars to watch it and i had no interest in watching it for free in some way like i just I did not care. (laughs) Yeah. And that was kind of what I wanted to leave it at was just like, look, I don't want to even explain why I don't care. I just don't care. (laughs) Like, yep. I just didn't want to do anything. So, you know, it, it it was interesting. Like uh, I haven't really thought about modern wrestling. There's some things I like. Um, I did kind of enjoy SummerSlam uh, watching that and everything like that. Um, Maybe it was because I got to watch it live. And everything like that. Um, And I I also got uh, put on a different uh, shift at work at my shoot job or whatnot. So um, I may be talking in circles around here. But um, that's just basically what happened uh, with me. Uh, Like I just, I haven't been following wrestling that much. I've mostly, I will go back and watch old wrestling. Like they're starting to put up more WCW Saturday nights. And I got to say this, dude. They have a, the one of the WCW episodes. They put up like six new 1994 Saturday nights. That was when the start of, you know, the iconic Saturday night intro, right? From TBS. Back in the day. Yeah. You know that intro? Yeah. I saw it. And like, dude, I almost wanted to cry. I was like, oh my God, there it is. That's the intro! I've been waiting so long for it! Like, I saw it and I was just like, oh my god, like, I'm a kid again. I'm a freaking kid again. Now, those are still episodes that I don't really remember of Saturday Night. It doesn't have the iconic, you know, sliding doors yet. It doesn't have that uh, awesome uh, intro and that uh, just the way of that show look. It doesn't have that yet, but it's coming soon. And when that happens, it's like, oh, my God. Like, I'm a kid again, basically. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, like I just said, I haven't been following much modern wrestling, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's me, too. I will. Um, I did uh, catch the Flair roast, which I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> um, I unfortunately watched the Rich, Ric Flair's last match pay-per-view. Um, the only thing I really want to say about that uh and then we'll get into our main event for this evening uh is the actual match other than Rick was fantastic like you could tell that Jarrett, Andrade Lethal all understood like Rick's limitations and they knew yeah. they were going to all have to go 150% um mm-hmm. and they did they had an incredible match around him um you know and and not to Not to disparage Rick, he's 72. So the thing is, he never should have been in there. Um, But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I hope he really hangs it up now because uh, people were really worried about his health. But if you you didn't see the roast from that weekend, it is definitely worth watching. It was absolutely hilarious. Um, Question,
1: did you see any of the show itself?
0: The actual StarCast event? Yes.
1: Was it, I mean, was the rest of it good? Because I haven't seen it yet. So and here's there was, the- there was a couple of matches on there that I saw that were booked that I uh, I was like, oh, I really do want to see that. Like, I thought I saw the American Wolves were on there. They were. Here was the problem, though.
0: You had this... You, so they were doing this under the, you know, the, the tagline of Jim Crockett promotions, right? So they had the... The old school Jim Crockett look. And then they had, other than the main event and Rock and Roll Express, everything was like indie riffic. It was like an ROH show. And <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Jonathan Gresham actually was on there. Yeah, um, and uh, so the whole thing was just really odd uh, because the crowd you could tell was there for like the old school feel. And the old school wrestling, so you know you had like the American Wolves come out and to to almost nothing, and then Rock and Roll Express comes out and the roof comes off the place. It, yeah. it was just a weird booking for an old school wrestling card.
1: Did the Wolves fight the uh, the Rock and Roll
0: Express? No, it was. Uh, let me look at the card real quick because it was. I can't remember
1: see like i saw some photos of uh of the event but what was interesting about that was is from all of that i think conrad and jeff jared are now going to like launch their own thing that's
0: what it looked like and and of course uh jared's gone from wwe now yes
1: and i'll be honest dude i mean I kind of will support something that Conrad and Jeff Jarrett do because I believe that they would know what kind of know what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Conrad, you know, might not have, you know, really done a booking of a wrestling event that much, but he's been talking to just some of the most brilliant minds in the business. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, um, I'm definitely interested to see what they come up with. My 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 issue would be like, where is the, um, like what's the, where's the niche for it, right? Like, what is it? Uh, where does it fit in? Where what does it do that that TNA is not doing, that AEW is not doing, that WWE is not doing? Um, you know, and I think really honestly with Triple H at the helm of WWE, I really think we're going to see a lot of just kind of, you know, changes. I think he's going to try to cover all the bases. So I think, I think he's definitely of the mindset that he wants, um, you know, he wants to see like the casuals do one, you know, enjoying one thing. Uh, he wants to see, uh, you know, the, the kind of hardcore fan base enjoying another thing. And maybe it's just going to be the TV product will contain kind of something for everybody. Yeah. But, you
1: know, we'll see. Well, I mean, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like, I've always said that about Triple H. I'm like, man, you know, when he takes over WWE or or whatever, you know, like, to me, he's the best candidate because he looks at it from all, he can see it from all standpoints now he can see it business wise he can see it you know uh, from the outside world but he also sees it from the most important part which is the boys side you know the the boys and girls the wrestlers like he knows what it's like to be a talent and he and he knows now how to run it from a business standpoint so I'm like when you have that combination that to me is like a deadly combination it's like you can't stop that you know (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I just, I'm interested to see where it falls uh, and and what they end up doing with it. But, you know, um, by all means, Jarrett's a smart man. If the money's not there, he's not going to do it. Um, Oh, yeah. By the way, that tag match was, and I can't believe I forgot this, it was the Machine Guns versus the Wolves.
1: Oh, my God, now I definitely want to watch it just to see that.
0: It was a good match. It's just the crowd didn't care about it. It, it was just so odd because the, the, the other tag match was Rock and Roll Express and they were up against Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson representing the Four Horsemen. And uh, that was a great match and the crowd was really into it. Uh, but yeah, I mean like another um, another match on the card was like Killer Cross versus Davey Boy Smith. And it was like the, the crowd wasn't hugely into that. Uh, it just wasn't... Uh, it wasn't it was an odd thing, but I mean, they popped huge for Rick. Um, they had Rick come out and, you know, Conrad has the original gold belt in his collection. So he had the robe on and he opens the robe and he's got the big gold belt on. And, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a nice little nostalgia thing, but the only part of it I could say I really, really enjoyed was the roast because the comedians that they hired for the roast were amazing. And huh? the people from the actual wrestling industry were pretty awful. Um, a lot of them had no idea what a roast is. Like Bubba Ray doesn't know, or Bully Ray has no idea what a roast is. Um, you know, a lot of them got really butt hurt over some stuff that got said, and I'm like, you then you shouldn't
1: have come to a roast. I know that's what <laughs> it's all about—is like roasting you, like, yeah. but it, it's a. Co- it's like a comedian's graduation,
0: yeah, I, there were some excellent lines from from there uh it, it, it was it was very good, but there well, was also uh you know uh, there were some people that were it was they were so horrible that it was funny.
1: <laughs> well, I gotta ask you this, uh, then aside from the roast and the event. Because I will say this. This was what I thought was one of the best parts about this Ric Flair's uh, last match thing was the buildup to this. Like, I mean, they actually kind of blurred the lines. I listened to one of the episodes on uh, My World and Jarrett went straight up heel, like on the podcast. Like he was, I, he was, he cut one of those like, TNA Jarrett promos where, you know, he was, you know, saying that this guy was good, but that he's, you know, I'm better, you know, kind of thing and and whatnot. Like, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is good stuff. (laughs) Like, Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, I
0: I listened to that episode too, and I, I really think they did a lot with it not having anything to work with, you know, not having a television program to build this with. Yeah. But on that same note, um, I did not like how they opened the podcast with like the, the promo video playing for like 20 minutes. Like I fast forwarded through all of that because I, number one, I had already seen it. And number two, nobody wants to listen to a backstage segment that they can't see. Oh yeah. Um, I get that they're mostly doing it for the people on like ad free shows. That's their main you know, customers, but I'm like, I'm not paying for that shit. (laughs) Yeah. If, if there was a way for me to get, to pay money and get the episodes in my podcast app without the commercials, I would do
1: it. Well, you can also watch it on YouTube.
0: Yeah. But I mean, I listen to podcasts in the car. I don't ever, I, I, me personally, I never, well, I won't say never, but it's super rare for me to just go on YouTube and sit down and watch something like I'm just too busy for that usually. Mm. Um, t- typically I listen to podcasts in the car or while I'm working. If I'm going to sit down and w- if I have like the time to sit down and actually pay full attention to something and watch it, then I'm, you know, usually going to be catching up on like one of the 12 TV shows that I'm trying to watch. Um Oh, uh Shameless plug. Uh, I am going to have um uh superhero homie q also known as the ace of professional wrestling he's going to come on later this week and we are going to review uh House of the Dragon the uh the new Game of Thrones uh universe show oh so um so yeah so that is a thing speaking of television well then um,
1: spoiler alert for everyone uh listening to this spoiler alert it's either going to be really really good or really really bad <laughs> i won't i won't give it away yet and and it may
0: be both because uh, he hasn't seen it yet, so I don't know what his thoughts are on the episode.
1: Oh, gotcha. Well, so. I, mean, I, I just meant from your standpoint. I just know <laughs> you.
0: So I actually, uh, so I, I will say briefly that I did actually really enjoy it.
1: So, oh, okay, good. Well, yeah. apparently, so did a lot of people. Like I said, I I you know do Master Control, and that's been one of the talks of the town on uh, all the entertainment shows. Was that show so? Right. Apparently, it crashed HBO's server. Yeah, yeah, like ten
0: million people.
1: So, I mean, you know, say what you want to about it, but that's pretty impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. So. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, it it is what it is. Uh, you you had mentioned something earlier, and I wanted to clarify this before we move on. Uh-huh. Um. So. The, the, where we're reviewing things like this episode, those are still going to be under the Evolved Review banner. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're reviewing something, but if it's just like an interview with someone or something like that, then uh, it's just going to be under Entertainment Evolved. So they're all going to still be in the same place. They're all still going to be, you know, if, if you listen to this, uh, all the episodes that we do are all going to be in whatever podcast app, right? You're not going to have to go somewhere else to get it. But it's just going to be labeled. You know, that way. So that's going to be the only difference. Okay. So, um... After after that intro, we are known for our long uh, cold opens. Uh... uh, Here we are. Uh, So what we're covering today... uh, So we decided to kind of segment these out because... I don't think each one of these deserves really its own whole episode. I know they're two hours long, but I think a lot of these... Like, we know a lot of this stuff. Um... But the other thing being, uh, you know, uh, we divided them up into like a part one, two, and three. So today we're doing part one because I think there's going to be nine episodes this season.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So today we're going to do part one. And part one is The Undertaker, uh, Goldberg, and the Bella Twins. Yes. And then, uh, so when we come back to do part two, uh, let me see here which ones are in that one. So I know the Kurt Angle is in that one. Lex Luger is in that one. And the DX episode is in that one. Uh, I haven't seen, I've only seen up to Kurt Angle so far. So I'll have to prioritize watching those other two. But then the last episode is going to be a banger because that one's going to be edge Ray Mysterio. And then the last, the last episode this season is about WrestleMania. Really, WrestleMania has a legends. Yeah, so what? I guess it's going to be about like the history of WrestleMania.
1: I can't wait for that.
0: I know that that last episode. Like, I'm so I, excited to record it now.
1: I, I look. Here's the thing. I'll say. Yeah, I'll say that. Like, that's one of the only events in modern wrestling that I will never miss. Right. Because it's, it's so prolific. You know. Um it really is and but it's not just the event itself it's everything that happens that weekend it's just it's 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 what a wrestling uh convention is supposed to be basically yeah i mean WrestleMania
0: and Wrestlecade are to me the two biggest events in wrestling and and people can argue that but the people that argue that have never been to Wrestlecade this is because true. <laughs> Wrestlecade is huge. I mean, it's not as big as WrestleMania obviously, but I think it's bigger than anything. Like it may not have the attendance of like an All Out, but as far as like the how big the show is and how it feels, I mean, it's just there's nothing like it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And WrestleMania is obviously the same exact way. So, that'll be so you know, I'll say like I'm not following things like I can't watch Monday Night Raw every single Monday night. I, you know, I'm not sitting in front of the television for three hours like that watching it. But I will watch, even if it's a seven hour WrestleMania, you still watch it. <laughs> and
0: it will be every year until Triple H
1: changes that. But well, I like the two
0: night Mania. The two night WrestleMania feels a hell of a lot better. Than the eight-hour WrestleMania.
1: I agree completely. I was against it at first, but then I kind of liked it because it gives you two nights of something to do, kind of thing. Like it's exactly. It's just it, it, it's a cool feeling. I, I like it. I, I I think it's supposed to be that basically.
0: Yeah, well, let's get into it, man. So, I I kind of, from a ratings perspective, I I disagreed with them choosing Undertaker to be episode one. And we talked about cool. this off mic a little bit, and it's that episode like to come back with a bang with something that people really want to see. Speaking of, they should do a DDP episode. But uh, I knew you were going <laughs> to say
1: that, and I thought the same exact thing.
0: But <laughs> it's like with Undertaker at this point in time, he's fresh off of a Hall of Fame induction. Yep. So right around the Hall of Fame, we you know we heard everything in the world about Undertaker. We had the Last Ride documentary. Which was can, great, by the way. Fantastic. We covered every single part of it right here on this show, and I would definitely invite you to go back and listen to those. Um, and, and so there was a few tidbits here that they didn't, you know, quite get into Last Ride or that they didn't quite talk about, but I feel like a lot of this was ground that we had already tread on.
1: Mm-hmm. That was I mean, exactly the way that I felt, too, watching this. Like, even the opening, I was like... Okay, so here we go. We're gonna focus a lot on the a Hall of Fame, and then I saw the opening. I was just like, I already know all this stuff. <laughs> right? Like, they're, you're not telling me anything different. Like, I, I they kind of went into the joke of being uh, Eggman and everything like that. But even still, like, I was just like, I like I. I'll say this. There was more of a story behind the WCW run and his independent yeah. runs, or yeah, I say.
0: yeah. They we all knew about the Buzz Sawyer stuff that had been tread over. We all knew about kind of how he came into WWE or WWF at the time. But yeah, the stuff with Dan Spivey and the skyscrapers and Teddy Long. It was it was so cool to see like the young Teddy Long. Yes. Yeah. I was really shocked that they didn't get him for this, Um, and and that kind of goes back to I think the the same issue we had with season one is it's like there's a lot of people they should be getting for these interviews that they're not, and And then then, yeah, and then they just have these random you know wrestling writer columnist people that don't have any actual insight.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It's just people trying to get their name out there or something like that. But Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean you and I both have more experience in the wrestling business than than some of the people that they let come on for these.
1: Yes. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and I'm just like, what is happening here? Um well, So I I did like that, you know, that sort of deal though about him, you know, uh how he, you know, met Percy Pringle early on before he was ever even doing the um the whole uh, Paul Bear gimmick and all that and then mm-hmm. um the trip to South Africa I don't think I had heard about that so that was that was a cool you know kind of thing that they put in there
1: yeah I don't remember that story uh, as well so uh that, that was a nice little inside addition but uh yeah that that was uh that was really cool to see also you know old uh percy pringle you know promos as well you know because he would do he would do the typical manager laugh back in the day he's like he's like percy pringle (laughs) yeah like i love it and then you know (laughs) have you seen by the way maybe we need to cover this i don't know but uh because we didn't do it during the undertaker the, the long uh five-parter but uh there was a there was one on Paul Bear that was done and I watched that one and his story is so interesting because he's talking about as a kid he was interested in putting on funerals <laughs> for people right and I'm sitting there just like if this doesn't sound like a tim burton goth movie i don't know what does like I, think I was just like this is like this is so interesting and then he was a professional wrestling fan as well he would go to the wrestling fans when he was studying for mortuary and stuff like that i'm just like what yeah. like, like so he was a fan of wrestling and this and he gets into the business and of course, Vince asked him, well, what else do you got besides you're a wrestling manager? Well, I've been studying to be a mortician. Boom. Right. <laughs> that is a, all he had to do was, I was like, I was like, that's the greatest pitch to any promoter if you ever say that to anyone. It's just like, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan and I'm I'm, I'm doing wrestling manager. Okay, what else you got? Well, I'm a mortician. no <laughs> Stop right there. Come on. <laughs> just just you're
0: hired. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know a thing that a lot of people don't know. There's actually a tremendous amount of money in that.
1: Oh, 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 there is. I mean, But you know. but it
0: also costs it costs a lot to do it. Yeah. Like to get licensed for it and everything.
1: So I yeah. just I, I just couldn't fathom being surrounded by that by that all the time time. like it's like i get uncomfortable when you know i have to talk about it for a few hours or even a few minutes like then being talked about all the time like no no thank you (laughs) yeah but hey i mean that that was what he was into so I, I I encourage you check that out, man. If you haven't seen it, it's on it's on the WWE network or Peacock, whatever the hell. Um, find it. It's the Paul Barra story or something like that. But it's it's really interesting and it talks about their relationship and stuff like that. So uh just a little side note. <laughs> He's always been
0: an incredible figure to me. Yes. Um um uh, Glenn Jacobs joins the show here, has nothing of interest to say, sort of like his personal life, so moving on. Um
1: <laughs> I knew it when I saw him too, I was like, oh god, I'm gonna hear about this. <laughs> yeah, uh
0: so anyway, uh they talk about the Hell in a Cell match, and while I could I could hear about the Hell in a Cell match for the rest of my life, <clears throat> it it was nothing new because I mean they've told they've both told the story a hundred times.
1: I was about to say, I've literally heard Bruce Pritchard talk about it. I've heard um, Undertaker talk about it. I've heard Mick Foley talk about it. We know what happened. Mick Foley went too far. The match is one of the greatest of all time, but should it have been stopped? Should blah, 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 all this other stuff. But I will say that I like the fact that they focused on the rivalry a little bit more.
0: Yeah, agreed on that. Because usually most people just cover it kind of the brutality of the match
1: well they, um, they, they, they covered the brutality of that match but here's the thing a lot of people forget this they had some really great matches overall not 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 just the hell in a cell match obviously which will be forever everyone's top you know five match of all time or something like that but they also had some great matches that should have been terrible, like the buried alive match. To me, right. the only reason that they were able to do seven more after that was because that match was so good. Like the matchup itself, like I don't know, you can say what you want to about the ending and everything like that, but the match itself was great, and then they had like a world title matchup that was amazing. I mean, they the boiler room brawl. Even it's a, you know it's a gimmick idea, but it worked for the both of them at the time. Agreed. So I mean, that's some good stuff.
0: <laughs> it really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it that that whole feud was really good, and a lot of those matches that they were tasked with. It's like, okay, you've got an Undertaker and a guy who looks like he escaped from the asylum. Uh huh. And they're going to have all these gimmick matches, and almost all of them are going to be tremendous. Yeah. So, um,
1: again, you look at it, I look at it and I go, a buried alive match is actually a terrible idea. But they were right. able to make it work because of the participants involved. The one thing Bruce
0: Pritchard really adds to this is when, um, he talks about, um, no, no, no. This wasn't Pritchard, actually. So, yeah, Bruce Pritchard added nothing to this. Uh, it was <laughs> Heyman. It was Heyman, actually, that said this. He talked about how long was Austin on top and how long was The Rock on top and how long was Cena on top. But yeah. Taker was a main event guy for 30 years. He was. And that's just... To remain an attraction for that long... Because I was tired of, of John Cena within a year. Yeah. Um. You know, it's like you either have to do what what Austin did, whereas you leave when you're at your absolute peak and people are still dying to see you and then they're always clamoring for you to come back. Or you spend too long there and you get burnt out like Rick and it's just like, you know, here we are uh, 10 years after he should have retired and he keeps coming back and we want him to stop.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I, I I think it might work for, you know, whoever, but Taker, man, I don't know. There's just something about him. You know, th- th- there's something about his presence. You know, it's all right. So I, 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 I've come to understand what charisma really is. I didn't get it at first. Obviously, you know, being a fan of the wrestling business, I get that. But I'm going to give an example that has nothing to do with wrestling. That is a perfect example of charisma. Is it isn't that a surprise, right? <laughs> but here's the example. There's a guy in a band uh, called Lorna Shore, and his name is Will Ramos. He's one of the biggest deathcore vocalists in the world, right? Probably the biggest right now. And he went viral because of that song "To the Hellfire." We actually reviewed it on this show. That was a fun little episode, um, but. He's so big right now, and people are wondering why is everyone talking about him over all of the other deathcore vocalists. And I said, "Well, here's what: he has the charisma. That it's you can't explain it. You don't know why, but it's like you put him in front of the camera, and you're just gravitating Right. Agreed. Not stop staring, and I don't know why but I want to see more of whatever this person is going to do. And that's just called natural charisma. And, him, and that's what Will Ramos has, which is why he's one of, you know, the best in his field. And to be honest, that's why Taker was on top for so long. It's just, it doesn't, and that's why Stone Cold got as big as he did and The Rock. It just, you put these guys in front of the camera, And people are just, they're like, I cannot look away. You know? Right. I mean, it's like, that's why The Rock and
0: Stone Cold and and Cena have all found such incredible success outside of WWE is because it didn't matter what they were going to be doing. People wanted to see it. Yeah. Um, and, And people can get mad at this all day, but Jake Paul is the same concept.
1: No, I I, I agree. Um, I I really did not get that until I saw him at SummerSlam, and I was like, "Wow!" Like, Best match on the card. It was. I, I was. I'm so shocked.
0: And it, it's it, it's twofold, right? With him, at, before we before we go off on a damn tangent, but with him, it's he looks like he is in a fight. Mm-hmm. And yep. and he works really really hard. And that is, that is to me, the number one thing that's missing from wrestling at all levels, indie, uh, you know, uh, national companies, whatever, is that everybody now, they look like they are performing.
1: I agree. No, I agree 100%. That is why I don't like modern wrestling right now as well. I think that, you know, the guys focus too much on spots they focus too much on trying to get these moves in and stuff like that. And it's just like, no, give me the character. Give me a story. You know, give me something to follow. And Taker is one of the ones that has just, he naturally got that from the time he stepped into the business. You could tell that. He's like, I get what this is.
0: Right. And 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 they're not going to do a two-hour documentary about anybody because they could do a, a 450. Exactly. Because a lot of people have have been able to do a 450 and uh they don't have a they're not in the
1: Hall of Fame and don't have a documentary. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, you know, the, Taker got it from day one. I will say this, I, I you know, there was a little bit more emphasis on this than there was in the even in the uh the Last Ride documentary, which was the fact that he made it known pretty much that He didn't want or he did not think that Mark Calloway could exist. He became the, like, he was the Undertaker. He's like, no, like, I'm protect. That's why, you know, people can say that, oh, all of these gimmicks that The Undertaker had and all of this story and everything... People somewhat believed in The Undertaker because you, I mean, you heard Stone Cold talk about it that like he had had all this stuff that they were going to do in the match, and then the music hits and he's standing out in the ring and he was not in the dressing room with them, you know, five minutes before this. And then the music hits and he's like, Whoa, like I actually feel like I am in the presence of a phenom, and that he just has that. It,
0: it doesn't come through on television. Like the the entrance on TV is very impressive all the time. But the first time I was ever actually in a venue and, and we talk about this in wrestling all the time is the ultimate thing you can do at a wrestling show is make a moment for people. Yep. And I will never forget the moment that I was, that I was in the building for an undertaker entrance for the first time. It is surreal. It is something else.
1: It entirely. is I, I saw it in uh Augusta, actually. I've seen it twice. Once I saw him with the American Badass uh thing, and then I saw him uh in old school taker, and so I was like both times it's just like wow, this dude just commands the he just commands the floor. So very
0: interestingly, uh the so I've seen it twice as well. One of it was one of them was at WrestleMania at twenty seven.
1: Oh yeah, I did,
0: uh, that one as well for me. Right, she were there for that one. And the other one, I was at a Raw draft, one of the drafts that they did, and this is when they were doing Superstars, right? Yeah. And so they had a taping for Superstars right before the uh, the Raw episode. And completely unannounced, out of nowhere, Matt Hart, so Matt Hardy comes out to the ring, and then the fucking lights go out, and The Undertaker's music hits. And the pop is enormous, because this was in one of his breaks where like, he had wrestled at WrestleMania and then had not been on TV at all. Yeah, and he just shows up on fucking Superstars of all <laughs> of all things at a fucking taping and just comes out there and demolishes Matt Hardy. They were trying to probably trying to get him back into ring shape, probably. But no one no one knew about it, so the roof just blew off the place. Everybody was like, "He's not really here. That's not happening. What? That's not gonna happen." But sure <laughs> enough. He walked out and everybody lost their damn mind.
1: That's amazing. So then there's three times I've actually seen The Undertaker. Once in Augusta, well, twice in Augusta and then once at WrestleMania. I keep forgetting that WrestleMania entrance because I just remember the match itself. Because I'll say that, like, you know, say what say what everyone wants to about WrestleMania 27, but it has one of the it has the greatest live match I've ever watched in my life. I'm talking that I've actually sat in the arena and watched the match itself unfold. I saw that at WrestleMania. That match is still, to to me, one of my top favorite matches of all time.
0: The, uh, the first Triple H match? Yes. You know, and the thing about that is, that match is not looked at as this incredible match because it didn't translate on television as well. But live in the arena, it felt like nothing else that happened that entire
1: time. Yep, I I agree completely. When he picked him, like when Triple H looked at him and did the Undertaker slash sign and then picked him up in the tombstone, I, along with everyone in the Georgia Dome, we all stood up and were like, oh, like it was incredible. I was like, these two know how to put on a wrestling match. These are just these are two veterans where I guarantee you that was one time the writers did not tell them what to do. They were just like, Yeah, you two go out there, and just do your thing.
0: <laughs> well, they knew they weren't gonna top what he had done with Sean. So well, they just amped up the brutality immensely and they just beat the bejesus out of each other. So hey, yeah. I loved it. It was great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um it was a smart call. It was it
1: was yeah. it, it it was great. I loved it.
0: Well, speaking of amazing things that have happened in the Georgia Dome, I know we both want to talk about this for a minute. So, yes. in the interest of time, uh let's talk about this damn Bill Goldberg episode, man.
1: Yes, and before we even talk about it, man, I I'll tell you this. You hyped up this for me. Like Oh, yeah. I I thought I I thought this one's gonna be so so like even he's not gonna be interested in this one. No one is, and then you were like, "Dude, we got to cover the gold." Like that was actually the first episode that you were like, "No, we need to cover this one, yes." And so I was like, "Okay, well now I have to watch this," and I watched it and I thought this was tremendous. Like this was one I watched, and I'm like, I actually. This one is as good as the Booker T episode, in my opinion. It,
0: right, and and that was like one of the best episodes. And and yes. yeah, this one was right up there with it for me.
1: Yes, it was really, really good. I was very surprised. It showed a whole different side to Goldberg.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and here's the thing. WWE has used him so poorly for the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's just like, they have these dates on the contract. Whenever they need to go back to the well, they just have Goldberg come in and make a tough promo and then put over whoever's the champion at the time, and then he leaves. And and you, you know the moment the music hits that that's what's going to happen, so you're not interested. Yeah. Um. You know, if if anything, if I have any critique of this episode, it's that I would have wanted them to talk a little bit more about him coming back and beating Brock for the belt. Because that was explosive, and no one saw that coming.
1: I uh, I agree with that one. Um, uh, I would have liked to have seen that a little bit more. But what I really loved, like I loved seeing more of the WCW story that had not really been tapped into. And his love for football. Which, by the way, as we all know, uh, Mr. Kitchens, I am a football fan. I know. I am a Georgia Bulldogs fan. I know. Okay? I would like to point out, and if there's any critique that I can give of this that I can actually confirm, was I'm sitting there and I'm I'm like, okay, we have all this footage of Bill Goldberg in a Georgia Bulldogs uniform. And around uh, when was when was the uh, dates for those? Wasn't that around 92, 91?
0: Yeah, it had to have been somewhere in there because he debuted in WCW 97, so.
1: Yeah, so it had to have been, and he was in the NFL for like a few years, you saw. Um, So it had to have been around that time. Okay, there was only one commentator for the Georgia Bulldogs at that time. His name was Larry Munson. Why did I not hear a Larry Munson call on this goddamn program?
0: Well, you know, it's very weird about that because, you know, in the first season, while Jim Ross was doing AEW stuff and uh, was on Dark Side of the Ring, they muted a lot of Jim Ross commentary in the clips that they showed. Whereas they they did not do that this season that I know of. They've been including JR in there.
1: Yeah, I, I was about to say, I mean, you know, they included him in... Uh... In this episode, and they included him and in, uh, Taker and um, several others. Which I Yeah. Mean,
0: Last <laughs> season, though, they cut him out of a bunch of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is just
0: it, some petty Vince McMahon bullshit, you know.
1: Oh, yeah, it is. But you're not going to do a documentary with some of these guys and not have JR speak on their career. He's so instrumental in a lot of them. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's just, I mean, but... Like I said, that was one thing I noticed was I was like, why am I not hearing Larry Munson in these calls? Like, are you kidding me? That's (laughs) We have Georgia Bulldogs footage, but we don't have Larry Munson saying Goldberg sacks somebody. I guarantee you there was a call out there or something, but whatever. Uh, That was just a little minor thing I had to throw in there. But that was interesting seeing his, you know, football journey and how as, as you notice and it's been confirmed he was not a wrestling fan you know right. he, he did not follow pro wrestling
0: yeah and i mean i think that was evident too um in a lot of things that he was doing and, and it was very clear you know the, the thing about the the documentary and the interviews with bill is that he doesn't shy away from the fact that he was inexperienced and didn't know what he was doing back then. Yeah. But he also was booked that way. So a lot of that was on management. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, he's going out there trying to hurt people or anything. It was, honestly, he really was trying his best, but, you know, he was not at a level yet to, I think, be competing where he was at, and he was kind of thrust into that position.
1: No, but again with undertaker and stone cold and the rock at the time he just you put him in front of the camera man and the audience couldn't look away yeah i mean dude you saw like look at all of the tonight show appearances and all of the outside appearances he was doing for wcw at the time I remember one of my fondest memories of being a wrestling fan uh, as a child was in Augusta, Georgia, right? This had to have been, it, oh God, it had to have been either a month or just a couple of weeks after he won the world title from Hogan. He did an appearance at the Augusta Civic Center. But this was not a WCW event. Like, they were not in town. This was, he just came for this, like, I don't know if it was an auction event or what it was, but it was, like, some kind of event that they were having at the Civic Center. And they needed, I guess, an attraction. So they had Goldberg on Saturday. And then this is the Monday Night War thing. They had Goldberg on Saturday. And then the very next night on Sunday, they had Sable for WWE. And this this was both at the Augusta Civic Center. But this wasn't a wrestling event. This had nothing to do with wrestling. Right. Well, it sold out because of the appearance from Goldberg. I did not go to the Sable one, but I (laughs) went to the Goldberg one. And, I mean, dude, I'm telling you, when he walked out just for the autograph signing, it was like they hit the music and we were at Nitro. The place went nuts. And it was so cool. I, You know, we waited in line. It was a long time, but we, you know, I got to meet him. I got to shake his hand. I mean, man, people can say what they want to about Goldberg, but, I mean, he was one of the biggest stars in the world at one point. Agreed. I, and I, I mean and here's the thing too this is something that i've noticed and jim cornette has said this you know like the problem with AEW in in ways is they have a bunch of guys who are wrestling fans you know that kind of is sometimes the problem but hey, if you notice, we say this
0: a lot all the marks are in the business man
1: <laughs> yeah exactly like like and but here's the thing Back when Goldberg came in, people act like that was a like like he's a new thing. Like, oh, he he didn't he didn't like the wrestling business, so you know why would he get in and stuff like that. Um, Sting, Lex Luger, Kurt Angle, and a couple of others were not like marks for the business. They didn't watch pro wrestling. But when they got in the business, for whatever reason, they understood it better than half of the guys that were actually wrestling fans. Have you noticed that?
0: Yeah. Like I, I mean, and that is part of the problem. It's like we didn't talk about this, but it's you know, it's Jonathan Gresham reportedly telling Tony Khan that he was in the top fifty for the PWI five hundred. Like, like,
1: like <laughs> you know what I mean? Damn thing.
0: It, it's a worked list, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I, I've talked about this a few times. It's like a lot of the people being worked in the business these days are the actual workers. The fans know what's going on.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's but, very upsetting. But here's the thing. Goldberg not being a fan, yes, obviously, in ways that hurt him. But in ways it helped him because he was able to be real he was able to actually be something and that was the thing like the intensity that you saw i mean we'll get into it more obviously but just as a you know real quick thing like that wasn't fake that was real that's why people got behind him and people can say what they want to about his wrestling you know abilities or whatnot and and you know here's the thing I had this conversation with someone about this at work, right? Um, someone who's also a wrestling fan. And they were talking about this. Uh, we were talking about uh, this particular episode. And he said, man, if you look at that crowd, right? He said, I don't care what you've seen in today's world or or whatnot, but you look at that crowd when he won, they went absolutely nuts i mean that was a reaction i did not even see when daniel bryan won the world title
0: right uh joe brown was there really Um, yeah he was there and he talks about it all the time uh just how you know just mind-blowing and like just memorable that moment was
1: it was and um, and you know That's why when people, you know, sit here and talk about today's wrestling and I'm going, man, there's, like, I remember that night vividly when he won. My dad did trivia at the King George, right, in Augusta. And Nitro was on at the time, obviously. Nitro had gone to three hours at that point, and I didn't realize that as a kid. But um, we got – We got done with the event, and Charlie Blackwell, um, his friend who was there playing trivia that night, um, he looked at us, and he just goes, oh, my goodness, it's time for Goldberg. And we were like, okay, well, we got to get home. So me and Dad got home, and we got home. I swear to you, I I still to this day do not know how this was done, but we got home in time before the match even started. We got home right as Goldberg was making his entrance to the ring. We put it on, and we we were watching the matchup. I'm sitting there just like this ain't gonna happen. Goldberg's not about. Is he really about to win? He this can't happen. He picks Hogan up in the jackhammer, and I like people in uh, the Georgia Dome. My dad even was like, he goes, "Yay!" like this, <laughs> and, and we were just dude. That is when I was a pro wrestling fan. That is when I really liked wrestling because at that moment there was no, there was nobody on the internet. There weren't a bunch of YouTube vids the next day going, "Well, these were the ups and downs of of uh, Nitro uh, last night," or "These were the ups and downs. This is was done wrong." The, no, nobody gave a shit. He won the belt and everyone lost their minds. Yeah. I, it I was like, it. it was like my favorite team won the national championship, which by the way, go dogs.
0: <laughs> I knew that was going to come up.
1: Hey man, you know what? Uh, that was a moment I'll never forget.
0: Right. Right. I, I, I'm not a football person, but I know a lot of them and I know for, for people who were fans, uh, you know, I like I know how I felt when the Braves won the series. So yeah, it, you know, it, and, and and uh that has happened, I think, since it happened for UGA, right? So I, yeah, I don't dude, I don't know when won in the it last time the same
1: time. year basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was a good year for uh, Georgia sports fans for sure.
1: Oh it was. And I don't know, like, dude, that was the but that but that was what it felt like when Goldberg won the world title. So people can say, well, should he have been at that level? Should he have been pushed to that level? Maybe, maybe not. The thing is, though, is how can you pass up that crowd reaction?
0: No, I mean, from the bit, from a business standpoint, it was absolutely the thing to do. Um, one of the things that they they touched on in the documentary that I thought was interesting mm-hmm. was that they talked about like his Jewish heritage and everything, and I was very uh, glad to see that they touched on that. Yeah. The thing about it for me is I don't feel like they ever addressed it when he was with either company, with either WCW or WWE. I I feel like if he was a new wrestler coming in now, they would be talking about it all the time, right? Right. Um, You know, because I guess that's just kind of the nature of of things now. Like back then, you know, you didn't bring that kind of like personal side of you into the gimmick. Um, but I did think it was weird that they, fo- that they had a little focus on it in the documentary. And I thought it was cool, but you never really heard anything about his like Jewish heritage when he was actually, you know, in his prime, either the first run in WCW or when he came back and was in WWE.
1: Well, I think he even said it, uh, when they mentioned it, you know, like it's not something he likes to talk about. Right. and And that makes sense. And Um, if Goldberg says he doesn't want to talk about something, I'm just going to go, yep, all right.
0: Well, and that's fine, but he also says in the documentary that he, like, you know, thought he was, like, a hero for, like, Jewish kids, and that's why he didn't want to change his name. So, I'm like, you can't really have it both ways. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, Uh, true. You you either are or you aren't. Um, But... uh, Yeah, I I really like this. And the other thing that they focused on a lot that I didn't see coming was them going into the whole Bret Hart thing as heavily as they did.
1: That was something I was very interested in when I saw that they were talking about it. And the way that they talked about it, um, you finally got to hear it from both sides. Because I think everyone's only heard it from Bret Hart's standpoint. And I'm not going to lie, dude, like even seeing this reaction, dude, I get Brett being pissed about it. I really, really do. And it's it's hard for me to say, I, I don't want to say negative about it, but it's like, Brett, man, like at some point, can you know, you forgive him or, you know, whatnot? I, I don't know. Like I have mixed feelings about it kind of thing, because I here's the thing. He makes it seem like Goldberg was trying to hurt him. And I don't, I don't believe that Goldberg was trying to hurt him. I think that he was inexperienced and didn't really fully know what to do. But I don't know. What, what do you think? Well,
0: I think that it's very obvious that Goldberg is remorseful. About this. And I can understand him coming out after this and saying that he's done apologizing to Bret Hart for the last 20 years. Like, it happened. It was terrible. It took Bret Hart away from us. He probably had several years left um, where he could have performed at a very high level. Maybe, yeah. Um, You know, uh, the way he was being used in WCW, and this doesn't come into this. Was, was pretty bad. Um, you know,
1: so it's like... Well, we I, already know that he was being used terrible, and we've covered... And I mean, they've covered that so many times.
0: Yeah, and I'm not trying to say, like, oh, well, you know, it, he, he he wouldn't... Have, even if he hadn't have got kicked in the head, he, his career still would have gone to shit because he was in WCW. I mean, that's just the facts, right? Uh, and, and it doesn't excuse anything Bill Goldberg did. But yeah. on that same note, I... I think that it is fine for Bret Hart to be upset about this forever because it is going to affect him for the rest of his life. But it's also fine for Goldberg to move on because there's nothing he can do about it at this point.
1: Well, no, because it happened and there's nothing you can do to change it. So it's, hey, man, I'm very, very sorry. Hey, man, I'm very, very sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. All right. you know, For 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like, all right, man, well, I can't get you to forgive me, so I've got to move on, you know, and I get it. Um, I like I, I see it from both standpoint, man. Um I I don't know. Like like I said, I'm 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 torn between it, but uh yeah. Um I, I don't know. By this point though, everything about WCW sucked. <laughs> everything yeah i mean
0: especially in the late i mean those later years man it was, uh, here's, it was
1: bad. here's the thing too that they i'm glad that they didn't really focus on this i mean we mentioned it obviously but you know we they talk about the streak right and you know people are like all right well you know where do you go from there Okay, so there's always this what ifs. You know, I've always said this, and I think you're in agreement with me. In fact, I think we both have the same idea when it comes to this. But I always thought that the guy who should have ended Goldberg's streak should have been Diamond Dallas Page. Yes. Because it would have given the crowd a good baby face, while not being an unstoppable babyface because that was the problem with goldberg was he was too unstoppable and bischoff made the point he's like you got to put the hero in jeopardy the hero had you know the audience has to believe that at some point the hero's going to lose for them to get behind the hero you know they have to know that the villain is gonna take away their joy only the only for the hero to come back and bring that joy back, you know? Right. And you couldn't do that with Goldberg if he's just mauling people. But right, I thought that the guy that that could have done it should have been Diamond Dallas Page, and then from there they could have done this stuff with the NWO or anything at the time, you know, but Obviously, they that's not what they went with. They went with Kevin Nash, they went with you know the finger poking doom after that. And you know, it was not good on all fronts. But that to me is the way that it should have done. But there's gonna be people who are gonna debate how they should have done it for years. At this point, it's really a dead argument. <laughs> I mean, it is, but hey. You know, that's my thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, I and I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think that all in all, they did a great job with this documentary of kind of covering, like we saw different versions of Bill, you know, over the years. Like we saw we saw the WCW one that we talked about. And, and, and as you just said, they botched that at the end because they didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. Um nobody wanted to see him lose the belt the way he lost it. A lot of people enjoyed the DDP heel run they eventually gave him with the title. But he was the babyface for most of his career there. People wanted to see him get that moment, you know.
1: Um yeah, that and to me they missed an opportunity to you know have an original WCW face because people talk about the old veterans at WCW and I'm and they always wrote DDP in that category. And I'm sitting there just like, wait a minute. He was he was WCW from day one. Like he's actually been there. So to me, (laughs) he never really fit in that category. So I, I guess because he was just old, they just said that. But to me, I was like, no, DDP By the time they gave DDP the belt, it was too late. You know? Right, exactly. That ship had sailed.
0: Trust me, I was a kid who was 1 million percent obsessed with DDP at the time, so I remember. You're still obsessed with it. Yeah, I'm just not a kid anymore, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah uh although uh I'm not going to take his advice and go out and buy a $50,000 hyperbaric chamber because I have nowhere to put it in my house even if I had 50 grand for one well, but you know
1: for, before we go any further on this uh episode I'd like to ask you have you checked out because I figured you'd be all over this podcast have you heard uh him and Jake the Snake
0: here's the thing I actually have not so uh one of the things I forgot to mention at the start of the episode is uh superhero homies which i listen to a lot i have been uh, one of their hosts uh kevin has actually he had been out of town and so for like a month and a half i was actually guest hosting that podcast with ace yeah and so uh i have not had a ton of time about the only things i've really been listening to um wrestling wise is i've i've been catching uh, my world and then i I catch parts of Cornette if he's doing, you know, if he's talking about something I'm really interested in. Like when Vince got, you know, resigned, like when Vince resigned, it, obviously Cornette was like the main person I wanted to hear their take on it.
1: Yes, I so, did yeah. too. And I love it when he talks about old school wrestling.
0: Yeah, but I have not had a chance to listen to any of the uh, DDP and Jake podcast, unfortunately
1: well i have checked it out man and i dude i'm telling you if you listen to that you would be like fuck every single podcast i'm just gonna listen to this one
0: (laughs) right well i i'll have to give it a shot i definitely intend to at some point
1: yeah it's it's pretty good um but that that being said man um you know going back to goldberg They botched him at the end there, but WCW, you know, and they covered this, obviously, um, which, by the way, really with the whole dramatic two TVs in the center of the ring, give me a break. Right. Come on. Like, some of that stuff, even when Bischoff was explaining his story, I remember where I was. I was on the L.A. freeway. And they had to show a shot of the LA freeway in the nineties <laughs> as like, I'm sitting there just like, it has, this has nothing to do with the story. Just tell the, <laughs> <laughs> right. There's
0: literally a podcast where Eric Bischoff just talks for two hours, like, and people like it. So just, just put the camera on Bischoff and let him talk.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, I, like just some of that stuff, like, oh my God, it was just so over dramatic, but I will say it was interesting seeing the Time Warner uh, merger in there, and you know Bischoff saying, "Well, which is exactly what happened, by the way." Right. That one of the other one of the other cultures is going to completely eat the other, and that's it's, exactly what happened.
0: It's super timely because that's happening at Time Warner right now. Yeah, <laughs> as we speak, uh, you know Warner Brothers was bought out by Discovery and ha- is having the exact same thing happen to them right now. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, it's one of the worst mergers in history. Is the TBS and Time Warner, or the, um, I'm sorry, the Time Warner and Turner merger? Because yeah. you know, not and and I've said this, man, because you mentioned the Braves earlier. Well, here was the thing. The Braves at one point in 2000 and 2001 and 1999, really, really for uh, 10 years. But uh, those last two years, they had an all-star team. Like we had one of the best teams ever assembled. Right. Why do you think all of that changed? It's because Time Warner came in and overpowered Turner and they said we don't really want to pay for the Braves anymore. Right? Did I mention this to everyone? I think I've said this on. Uh, it might have been this podcast that I've said this, but at one point, the Atlanta Braves were the most watched television show on Turner, right? Now, even bigger than WCW, and even and they were also one of the biggest sports. Uh, teams in the world because they had that prime time slot on Turner. No other and, team had that,
0: and it took them almost twenty years to kind of dig back out and be. They are now almost as popular now as they were then. Yeah, it took them another World Series win and almost two decades to re, to undo the damage that was done by that merger.
1: Yes, and and I a lot of people forget to talk about that when they talk about sports, but. That was huge. Right. Um wrapping this one up,
0: uh you know, I, I I did like how they talked about, you know, the 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 failed WrestleMania 20 match. Um although I I got to be honest, and and this is one of the things that that nobody does talk about is I really liked the actual build up to that match. The match itself just sucked.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I thought because neither I... of them cared. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of hard to care when, you know, 20,000 people are booing you. That's true. Um,
0: but, yeah, I mean, and we all know the story about the comeback because it didn't happen that long ago and, and we were there for it. But I, I'd say overall, man, this is one of my favorite episodes of these this A&E biography series so far, hands down.
1: Yeah, it, it has been uh, mine as well. We actually saw a different side of Goldberg. We saw him being remorse, remorseful. We saw him being humble. We saw him being, you know, just emotional at times. Um, I, I really liked this one. I really liked how in-depth they went with certain stories. I'm glad that they went in-depth with the Bret Hart thing. I'm glad that they went in-depth with you know, him almost losing his arm and actually almost killing himself uh, in the process. But um, just, man, I really like this one. It made me want to go back and watch those WCW days because I don't care. I I, I wasn't, I was not a fan of his WWE run, uh, really either one of them. Um, I like the Survivor Series comeback thing, but overall... The time that I remember Goldberg was when I was a kid and that WCW run. And like I said, say what you want to. I Look, I understand people like five-star matches. I understand all of this, and and I get it. But you're going to go out and have a five-star match, and it ain't going to mean shit if you don't get a reaction like that. And guess what? That's what a lot of modern wrestling is missing. I've... I, Answer me this: When was the last time you saw a crowd go nuts for a title win like that? And, like, I'll wait. Like the uh, when he beat Lesnar.
0: Yeah, actually, <laughs> um, <laughs> that was it. It's been a while. Um, yeah, but not I mean, even,
1: but not even Goldberg. I'm talking like just in general. You know, Paul Heyman said it best. He was like. He said there were not people who were smart marks that night. There were not people who were half and half. No, there were 40,000 people, and they lost their minds when that happened. And here was the thing. They had seen him twice that night already. He came out and did a thing with Scott Hall in the middle of the show, and it's only really because it's three hours long. You have to fill it with something. And that didn't even hurt the main event. It just helped it more.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only thing that's come close to uh, when Goldberg beat Lesnar for the belt in, I think, 2016, uh, would have to probably be uh, Bianca Belair's win. Um, that's the only thing that comes close.
1: I, You know what? I, I, I'll throw another one in there. Kofi Kingston's win.
0: That's true yeah the the Kofi win uh, because sure. that
1: pop when he won was enormous,
0: yeah um and here's the thing man is and and not to not to veer too much into um modern product, but I think yeah. that's probably one of the issues with a e w is who the next champion is gonna be is so telegraphed at this point that I don't think they've had that moment yet where somebody really went apeshit for a title change because I think we all knew that punk was going to win. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, all of them, right? I mean, we've all known who was going to win all of them. Um. So I think they, they actually have an opportunity now going forward with punk, with him having such a strong record of, of us not knowing who could beat him. Um. So maybe they can create that moment.
1: I mean, yeah. I think if the only way that you could is if you had someone like Darby Allen. Yeah. I mean, just somebody that they don't suspect, you know, yeah. exactly. But like I said, man, um, you know, wrestling's all about getting you, you even said it best. It's about creating those moments. Well, people who were there that night at the Georgia Dome, they'll never forget that moment. I mean, that was right. that was an incredible moment. And here's the thing, and I'm cu- I'm very glad that they did not go into this because we can beat a dead horse on this all day long. People say, well, they should have saved it for a pay-per-view. They shouldn't have done it on Nitro. They shouldn't have done it with a week pulled no. up. It was perfect. I mean, <laughs> you could say what you want to, but guess what? WCW, and Bischoff figured this out a long time ago about WCW which is, I think, why wrestling people who ran it never got it. It wasn't a wrestling company. It was a television production. Right. And you have to think TV. And that's why, that that's another uh, thing that I could get into with the modern product, That, but that would, you know, mean we'd have to do a whole episode on it. But man, like I said, Goldberg was very instrumental in my childhood uh, with wrestling fandom. Um, I loved him. I also loved. I also loved at the time there was this big talk of Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Goldberg. Like, could that dream match ever happen? You know, kind of thing. It never did, but it didn't need to. I'm 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 okay it, with that. But like, he would
0: not have been good. Yeah, having him against The Rock was brilliant.
1: Oh, no, I, I agree, because The Rock could actually match up with them. But with
0: Austin, I think their styles would have conflicted so much. Yeah. And they also, I mean, couldn't really risk Austin getting hurt.
1: Oh, you yeah. Know, at, at that
0: point in time when he came in, it was to the point where Austin was exclusively working with people he was very comfortable with yeah. that knew you know, he had limitations and needed to be protected. Limitations, by the way, that he doesn't seem to have anymore since he, you know, stole the show at fucking WrestleMania in the main event this year. But, you know. He took a uh,
1: suplex on the concrete. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was what I was just like, I don't ever want to hear that Stone Cold is a beat up old man or anything. He just took a suplex on the concrete from Kevin Owens. Like- Austin,
0: Austin has said several times that he could come back and do two years full-time if he wanted to and needed to, but he doesn't.
1: He doesn't have
0: to. No, he, his, his career is legendary in the story. You know, there's no need. Um, that being said, uh, I, I do want to talk about, uh, the, the last part of our uh, little trilogy here today. Um, probably won't spend as much time on this one because I know that neither of us are huge, like Bella fans. Um, the, the, but but i I did I, I did have to say I really enjoyed this documentary though as it as a documentary because it talked about things from their childhood that we really hadn't seen before and got into some incredibly deep stuff um, you know they talked about how you know they grew up in a household where their father was a drug user and was very violent and uh, you know like I would have never have guessed that. They always came across to me, I guess, because of the way we were introduced to them as them having this sort of like silver spoon, you know, sort of like privileged childhood or whatever. But it turns out that is not the case at all, you know, and that just kind of goes to show like you can't really assume that kind of thing about somebody.
1: I had actually heard that about them. I mean I I've, I've never heard like the full story or anything like that, but I had actually heard that that actually they had a rough upbringing. Um so I mean that that's really and, and which I mean that's what these, you know, documentaries are all about, you know, that they're all about going through the person's life and how they ended up to the point that they did. Um so uh, yeah, I, I like that. I, I need to go back and watch that. And, and like I said, I haven't seen a lot of this episode, so you're mostly going to be taking the reins on this one.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I thought that it was... I mean, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, they did say that their you know parents had them when they were 19, which I think about when I was 19, and like I shouldn't be responsible for another human
1: being right now. Certainly not when I was 19. Hey, Amen. You know <laughs> that sometimes you don't get that option if you want to have fun.
0: You know what they say. All right, man, I you know, I had plenty of fun. Never, never find myself in that situation. So um, you know, wrap uh, yep. it, wrap it before you tap it, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but, but hey, I mean, you know, they, um, they had that. But you know, people can say what they want to about the Bellas, and I know I have, and several others. But th- I mean, they've had a storied career.
0: Yeah, I mean, with them, you know, I respect them a lot for, um, you know, their willingness to get into the business, the amount they worked to get into a locker room that was not receptive of new people. Because this is one of the things they talked about in the documentary is back when they broke in, there was like one segment on TV that had women in it per night. Yep, And that was it. And it was usually whoever had the title and whoever was coming after them. And that was it. Yep. Um, you know, and and it was usually like Trish and Lita or Victoria or, you know, I, I think Lita was on her way out and Trish was too kind of by the time they started coming up. So, um, you know, you had like uh, Natalia, Victoria, like those kind of people. But the locker room was not receptive to them. Uh, everybody was fighting for that one coveted spot and everybody else was eye candy back then.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. So I and, mean, I can I can totally understand it from their view.
0: And, and they came in and worked their asses off, and I got to respect them for that. And then they they left when they weren't being used properly, which, you know, it's one of those things where it's like nobody, and when I say nobody, I mean the the internet wrestling community as a whole. Right? Nobody said that kind of shit about like Brock Lesnar or Stone Cold. But, like, when the Bellas do it or, like, when Sasha Naomi did it, you know, there's all this, like, negative kind of press around it. And it's, like, nobody's obligated to re-sign with a place they're not, that they don't want to be.
1: You yeah, know? that was the thing, you know, even with the Goldberg thing, which is why I brought up this, dude. Like, like, and, and I'm not sure if I, I said this before, right, but... One of the things that I just get I get so frustrated with with the internet with social media and wrestling fans it seems like. Like I heard this statement and I never really got it until I actually like started to see it which is dude it seems like nobody hates wrestling more than wrestling fans.
0: Like it, it does seem like that, doesn't it?
1: Like it's like it's like, dude, you're never gonna hear uh whenever uh John Cena appears on um Access Hollywood, right? You are right. never gonna hear someone be like, Well, WWE uh you know booked this and 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 this was booked terribly, blah 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 blah, all this stuff. No, they don't give a shit about that. They're just promoting the product. But then right. you go here and, and these people who are like, yeah, we're wrestling fans. And then all they do is just shit on the product. And I'm sitting there just like, this is why casual fans cannot get into wrestling. Because they're just like, what are y'all talking about?
0: Well, I don't know if that's the only reason, but it's certainly not helping. <laughs> it's like. It's true. well, true. That's why I said this is one of the reasons. I'll use this example. uh, Brandon Sanderson is my favorite author. I'm a huge fan of all his books. Anytime I talk to someone and I find out that they read books and that that's a thing that they do on a regular basis, I go, hey, if you haven't tried these out, you should really try them. They're fantastic. Uh, I don't go on for 30 minutes about how it used to be awesome, but now it isn't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, Word of mouth goes a long way. And while I do feel that way about wrestling... I you know there's there's a lot that goes into the issues with it today and and a, and a toxic fan base is part of that, and I don't think toxic means you know you're not you're not obligated to like something, right, but when the conversation is overwhelmed by that, yes. then that's when it starts to become a problem.
1: Yes, like I can't stand, man, like you know aew will put on dynamite, right then about 45 minutes later on you well actually not even that like 5 minutes later youtube now now there is Walk cultural and it has or Walk cultural pro wrestling and it it's the ups and downs of of dynamite or monday night raw and i'm just like w- w- what what was so that da- like was it good did it, like, I, I don't understand. It, it Was it good? Was it bad? Why does it matter? You know, kind of thing. Like, I, I don't know. Just some of that stuff. And, you know, the Bellas definitely were victims of that. You know, like, they, they got a lot of shit from people. And here's the thing. I actually thought that when Nikki Bella had the title, she actually had a really good run.
0: He did. They actually i thought think both uh well, Bree didn't have as good of a run. she was always better when she was chasing, you know, yeah, um
1: was, but i I thought though that they actually became good workers,
0: oh, I, I agree, and when they when they came back they they were always like it's like they kind of got there too early, right, because they were there in the divas era, and they were associated heavily with that. But honestly, if they were five, six years younger and had come in, you know, five years later than they did, they would have been a huge part of the women's revolution.
1: They would have, but I kind of am glad that they got their just due for the women's revolution as well.
0: Oh, I agree, yeah. And and I really think that um, what they were able to do as entertainment stars in general, with them having, you know, total divas, which that may not have been the thing that every wrestling fan wanted to see, but it drew in an audience of people who weren't
1: wrestling fans.
0: Yep. And then I, those people started watching WWE. Yep. I so was, it was
1: brilliant. I was just about to say that because that's how you target another audience. You yes. know? Tony Khan could learn a thing about this. Well, this is very true. But, um, I, like, because I'll say this. That thing was on the E! Network, Right. Yep, And here was the thing. I, I said this uh, when it first launched. I said, look, people can say what they want to about it. But there's a show that was on E! Network, and it was a reality show. I think it, w- it was the Playboy Bunnies. It was the girls who lived at the mansions. But I think it only followed like three of them. I don't know. I did not watch the show. I swear to God, I did not. But my mother did watch that show. She is not that interested in playboy bunnies let's put it that way but that's a reality show that she got behind and i sat there i was like i was like when total divas was announced i was like i guarantee you that's going to become one of their most popular shows on the e network guess what it did
0: yeah and then the bellas got their own spinoff and it was a hit too so
1: yeah and by the way out of everyone i could have seen marrying someone i could not have picked daniel bryan and uh uh brie bella being a couple
0: <laughs> it was so weird especially with him being on the reality show and it's just so uh, uh, like just opposed to his whole like personality and how he presents himself and it like was crazy
1: like like dude I, I've told you this. My favorite match of all time is Brian Danielson versus uh, Nigel McGuinness.
0: Yeah, yeah, we covered that match.
1: Well, you watch that match and you watch his ROH stuff, and you're like, that guy's married to Brie Bella.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy how it works. I mean, it's it really is. And it, and one of the things the documentary highlighted and that we saw over the years is how you know Brie and Nikki are two completely different people. Yeah, you know, and you know, it's like that's always been that's always been the case. But you know, people kind of assume about twins that it's like, oh yeah, they're just they're going to be very alike and everything else just because they you know look alike.
1: Yeah. So, but well, I, I I I will say this now. I've got to go back and watch this and actually like finish this episode.
0: <laughs> it was it was really good. Uh, I would encourage anyone to watch it. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Um so yeah, that being said, man, um that that wraps up the first three of this season's uh A and E biographies, man. So, you know, next up on the slate we've got Kurt
1: Angle, which I've seen already. Oh, um, I, I, I've I've just started watching that and I can't stop watching it. I'll say that. I love Kurt Angle, by the way. Uh me too. Me too. Uh you know, he, he uh
0: he was one of the two competitors in my favorite match of all time well um,
1: yes that and I, I i will say this I have not finished this episode I'll be interested though to see if they mention a certain run in his career um if you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah they
0: they don't go deep into it but it is mentioned I'm pretty sure
1: oh come on
0: yeah but they don't they don't go into it of you know that, course you know they, they
1: won't. But well,
0: that... they don't have the uh, rights for the footage, so.
1: Oh well. Okay. All right. Been, yeah. I, I guess that deal ran its course.
0: Yeah. As far as I know. Now I might be wrong, but I really I watched this episode right when it came out, so it's been a little while awesome since I've seen it. Um. So I haven't. Um. I don't remember it perfectly. I'm going to watch it again before we review it, and I got to watch the Luger episode and the DX episode. But I'm 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 interested in all three so
1: well so spoiler alert on the luger one you hyped up the goldberg episode for me i'm gonna hype this one up for you i was a fan of this one okay all right well uh... this one was really good man it it it, it was like to me this one was even better than the goldberg episode yes wow wow that's high praise so now now i might have to check it out tonight Yes, I dude, I I'm, I'm telling you, I it's it's been one of my favorite ones. I'll say this, I'm not I'm I'm not that much looking forward to the DX one because I what has been said about that that
0: hasn't already been said. Same with Undertaker, right? I mean, they there's possible though that they could give us some some kind of, you know, behind the scenes stuff, but we'll see
1: we'll see um and, and i wonder you know how much they're gonna cover of their first run and then how much they're gonna cover of the second run of them so um i i, I guess i'll be interested to seeing that one but there, there's still a couple of them that i'm really looking forward to um there's also another one that's pretty good that you should check out wwe rivalries i
0: i won't i just won't do it i don't have the time oh well <laughs> just being I honest i my my schedule, I've seen the rivalry stuff out there, and I was like, oh, man, that would be really cool. But it's just like, I only have so much time. And, uh, I feel you on that. I got like four different TV shows I'm watching right now. Um, and I was not planning on watching House of the Dragon, but here we are. <laughs> so, you know, I, that one's just been involuntarily added to the slate because I was prepared... Typically I go into something wanting to like it always, right? And then it right. doesn't always work out. With this I went in prepared to hate it. I actually really wanted to because then I wouldn't have to watch it, but now I I really like it so now I got to watch it. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's unfortunate. <laughs> but that being said, man, I it was it was definitely nice to sit back down again and do this. Um yeah. do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap it
1: up? Uh, one. I'm gonna go back and finish this uh, Bella episode. I'm I'm now actually uh really curious to see what's said about it, and I'll give my full final thoughts on it on next episode. Okay. Um, the Undertaker episode, like I, I watched. Uh, you know, I didn't finish that one because, I, like I said, I knew what was going to be said in it. There's nothing else uh, I can really hear about it that I didn't already know. But the Goldberg episode uh, was just really good, I thought. Um, but again, you know, I've, you know, we were we've been talking about it on this show, and I want to get your final thoughts on this because, again, you know. There's there's a lot of guys who are going to be like, well, you need to be a wrestling fan and and wrestling fans think that you need to be a wrestling fan in order to be a pro wrestler. But some of the biggest names in history were not wrestling marks. They might have watched like Hulk Hogan might have watched some wrestling, but he wasn't huge, huge, huge wrestling fan like there is now, you know, kind of thing. Um even one of the best in modern wrestling, AJ Styles. He was somewhat a wrestling fan. He did not watch it all the time though. He didn't right. even really want to pursue it at first. And then he just, he he figured it out and he was like, I can do this actually. And so I'm sitting there just like, you know, I've often thought the same thing that you've got to be a wrestling fan in order to be in this, but is that the case
0: to to an extent i think it's the opposite it's it's not it's not that you can't be both right like you can come in loving it and still do a good job with it yeah but i feel like it's harder for that person to separate reality and their gimmick and their character i mean i, I hate to keep you know I, I hate to keep doubling back to him, but Jonathan Gresham, man, if he wrestled like he was five feet tall, and did an underdog style, you know that, you know if he did sort of like Taz, you should Taz is a smaller guy, yeah. Where it's like, yeah, this is a smaller guy, and you can beat the shit out of him. But if he catches you in a submission in the wrong way, you're done. If he wrestled his matches like that, then he would, I think, would be a big star and probably be on a main program somewhere, but he doesn't wrestle like that. He cosplays as a person who's six feet tall and he's not. And when he wrestled, um, Claudio for the ring of honor title, Uh it looked like it looked ridiculous. I mean, it, it looked like when, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the guy that used to be with, uh, jungle boy and, um, and Luchasaurus.
1: Marco Stunt.
0: Yeah, he, he looked like Marco Stunt in the ring with, with Claudia.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, man, um, and I, I mean not to take anything away from the rest, because obviously, you know, the guys that did like wrestling, um, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, you know, they had very successful careers. Um, but that's because they got both. You know, they, they got they got from both standpoints. But i am just saying you know some of the biggest names in history were not wrestling marks when they started you know kurt angle even that that, when we're going to cover that uh goldberg you know goldberg say what you want to about him he might not have had a five-star match in fact the only five-star match that he might have came close to was with diamond alice page and everyone had to see it on free television the next night because it got cut out early (laughs) right but you know it doesn't matter if you cannot become an attraction you, it doesn't matter how many five star matches you have you have to be something that's going to draw money and right. goldberg drew money back in 1998 and and again it. in
0: 2003 and again in 2016 so yeah he did so Well, man, uh, on that note, uh, we have been running a little long here, so we will go ahead and wrap this one up, but, uh, it has been, it has been really good to have you, uh,
1: back in the, uh, virtual studio here. Yeah, man. It's been fun being back, man. I've had a blast talking about, you know, um, wrestling and podcasts again, you know?
0: Yes, sir. Well, with that being said, we've got nothing but more to come. Uh, tune in soon for our house of the dragon review and then, uh, Stovall and I will be right back here uh, probably in the next couple of weeks to do part two of these. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for now, this has been An Involved Review.